oftentimes we we make that hard for others to do to really do their jobs you you don't grow by being told good job right like that's not feedback you don't you don't improve by hearing good job or some version of that you improve by getting instruction on a better technique a better approach a, a point where you didn't uh execute to the full potential of what was needed And we oftentimes make it hard for others to coach us. Welcome to the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grunberg. Alrighty, here we go. Welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Martin Grunberg. You have reached Habits to Goals H2G, the original podcast, of course, preaching and teaching that the best way, the fastest way, the most efficient way to achieve your goals is to create and align your habits. Today, we have a phenomenal guest, John Rossman. He is the author of the Amazon Way series of books. He's also a former Amazon executive, and he is a consultant. Thank you for coming on, John. How you doing? Martin, great to be here. Nice to reconnect with you. Yes, I enjoyed so much our earlier chat a few months ago. I had to do what I could to make this happen expeditiously. Um, So having said that, we'd like to kick off the show with something called the GTR, which is the Good Things Report. Sometimes we flip a coin. I don't have a coin handy. You get to go first. I get to go first. Fire away. Your call. I'll I'll go first on the GTR. So um, I conducted a great client workshop uh, last week, brought together um, the executive team for um, a a client of mine, new client of mine in the um, B2B insurance space and helped them really articulate both kind of what their growth and innovation ambitions are and identify some some challenges and and things they need to really address in order to help make a habit out of, <laughs> you know, put, putting in place the right mechanisms for innovation and growth. And it was just, it was a fantastic group of people. It was a nice setup. And and we got more done in two days in a dinner than um, I can imagine a couple of months worth of work. And, and so part of what was so great about it was we were in person. And wow. uh, I've missed that type of interaction um, a lot over the past couple of years, but it, it, it was just a very effective team and an effective event that we ran and just super proud of everybody. Well, it sounds incredible. And it's something we talk about on the show quite often, John, the, the ability to press pause. I know you're an exceptional consultant and, and again, we try to preach and teach and do everything we can to recommend everybody gets so busy in their daily lives uh, to press pause, to stop, and to strategically forecast where where it is you want to go. At obviously, if it works in the professional realm, it it ought to, and it does work in the personal realm. So, um, 
I love that GTR. Mine is, I guess, semi-related, although in the agreement I signed this morning, there is an NDA. <laughs> uh, so I ca- all I can say is uh, I inked an agreement to consult and help a company with some um, personal development content. They're going to, of course, lean on the and I know you have a series of books. I now have three books. Yeah, right on. Um, so it's it's pretty exciting. It's it's they're they're doing some cool stuff. Again, there's an NDA around it, so I don't know what I can or cannot say. So we've we've inked a deal. We're done. All good, right. Good. Two very good GTRs. Good things report. So let's back it way up. Um, and I kind of first want to, <laughs> having said that, I want to pause. Where are you coming to us from today? Is it San Clemente? Yeah, n- no, um, we're in Bellevue, Washington okay. right now. We do spend a bunch of time right. in San Clemente, California, uh, and everything near your place in San Diego. But we're right. in, in uh, well, where it is right now, beautiful Bellevue, Washington. <laughs> beautiful. Be- I love that painting behind you. Thanks. It looks, uh, I'm trying to figure out. How- All right, so. Uh, let's back it way up, John, to like where you went to school, kind of right, bring up yeah, where you grew up. Essentially, the background, you know, high school, take five, seven minutes kind of as you weave in through your college education. <laughs> I know it's much longer than five or seven minutes. But no, it- well, I, pro- I probably won't take five or seven minutes. Oh. So, yeah, so I grew up in uh, Portland, Oregon as the the youngest of four, my parents were a little bit older, and I think we're we're pretty worn out by the time I was a teenager, <laughs> uh, you know, and everything. Um, I went to Jesuit High School in Beaverton, Oregon, and that was just a tremendous environment for me because it was it was really the first place and and kind of uh, environment where um, people had high expectations. Uh, they had high expectations for me and. Um, everybody, all my peers, and I started to see more potential in life and more potential in myself than I had kind of seen before. I went to Oregon State University. I studied engineering there. And, you know, what I, you know, looking back, you can now kind of see the patterns. But what I became really interested in was um really systems thinking like like dynamics of how do you put together people data technology strategy um incentive systems and weave those together integrate them together in order to achieve a business result that you're 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 striving for and that's been a a you know I am a synthesizer I'm an integrator um not of systems but of of people, process, technology, motivations, business strategies. Um, and so that was a great a great uh, environment. And uh, there began kind of the professional career. I love it. And I want to go all the way back. You said it was a, a Jesuit, a Jesuit high school, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. At that, at that point, it was uh, all male. Beautiful. And and that is a term and a concept and a religion and in many ways a philosophy that continues to intersect my life lately. So talk a little bit about uh, that 
that environment and the lessons, any key lessons you think that really stood out that may have framed where you were going into the future? Well, I find it totally fascinating. So, you, you know, here's the, the things I remember most about it. And, you know, I'm, 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 uh, it's been a long time and everything, but um, the Jesuits were traditionally the, the Pope's educators, right? And so their whole mission was around uh, education. And what I found, uh, so, so A, academics were kind of, you know, top shelf. They, they were important. It was a college prep high school. Right. And so uh, the academics were, were rigorous and with a purpose. And um, there was a lot of homework and just high expectations. And, and um, I thrived in that environment where people had high expectations uh, for me. And it was kind of the first time where like, oh, you mean you, you, you don't have low expectations of me? You have high expectations <laughs> of me, you know, and everything, right? Um, and um, secondly, it was how open minded they, they were. And, um, you know, we learned, you know, world religions, very respectful and and really just that uh, a much more open minded perspective than, you know, probably I had come from and my my family life, you know, and everything. Right. And so I really appreciated um, and grew from that even though it it was it is and was a, a Catholic institution, it 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 wasn't um, judgmental uh, right. from that standpoint, and it was very open minded, and um, I learned a lot from that. Do they? And I'll leave this <laughs> here. But are there core tenets, uh, like three or five values that the Jesuits uh, repeat? anything like that i should well they, they they didn't repeat them to us or okay. they didn't have us repeating them. i'm sure that there I'm is like set. virtues or you know virtues values i would yeah, think yeah, yeah. i can i can do that research later yeah, I, so, I, so, sorry sorry i don't know that no, apparently okay. they, they they skipped over that section <laughs> in uh our curriculum but uh okay. i'm sure there are but i i i thought it was a uh a, 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 it was a great institution for me and uh, really, um, like I said, kind of just instilled in, in me like hard work, high high expectations, and and um, you know I should I should strive for a lot in life. Well, and that's uh, just to underscore the impact that environment has on our skills and our behaviors. So and and our thinking. So it's kind of this three. Which 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 really gets to like you know why. In- right mentors uh and coaches is so important and and private um, you know the advice the the advice i give uh, i give people around you know mentors or performance management or career growth and everything is make it easy for people to give you critical feedback um and you 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 grow by being pushed you grow by being coached um and um Oftentimes we we make that hard for others to do to right. really do their jobs. You you don't grow by being told good job, right? Like that, that, that's not feedback. You don't you don't improve by hearing good job or some version of that. Right, you right. improve by getting instruction on a better technique, a better approach, a, a point where you didn't uh, execute to the full potential of what was needed. And we oftentimes make it hard for others to coach us. 
specific feedback is critical. Yeah, that the the habit factor is dare I say loved by many coaches. Um and and yeah, coaches are environmental factors. There's no doubt. So so you you graduate uh college and then what are your first couple you, you typically nobody scores the, the big time first or second job. You may have a different story. <laughs> no, uh, well, uh, it depends on what you mean by big time. Um, so I joined a consulting firm, uh, which was then at that point called um, Anderson Consulting, when, is, <laughs> is now today Accenture. Right. And what was so fantastic about it was uh, for five years, I traveled the world. And it was both great work. And for a kid who had never been further east than eastern Oregon, it it was it was just eye-opening to me. I, I lived in Paris, France, Vancouver, British Columbia, Boston, Charlotte, Dallas, um, a bunch of Chicago, a bunch of other places. And so I just had five great years. It was both tense work um, as well as I got to see the world. So that is kind of hitting the big time. Fortunate you. So then you go where from Anderson? Yeah, so I, um, uh, well, I, I met my uh, future wife. Uh, we um, went back to Portland. I, I, I worked for a, um, a regional bank in a strategy group for a year, and, and that went great. And and they said, hey, this is fantastic. Uh, do you want to be a banker? And I was like, no, I love doing <laughs> right. advisory work, consulting work. Uh, but there really wasn't a career path for me there. So that so I I joined a sister company of Anderson Consulting. I joined Arthur Anderson. And they were starting a mid-market consulting practice. Um, and so I was at Arthur Anderson for five years, actually made partner there. And um, and then I left uh, Arthur Anderson to join a startup software company. And then from there, I joined Amazon in 2002. 2002. That's where we're going. All right. You and and 2002 paint a picture. Everybody knows Amazon as, you know, the trillion dollar behemoth. What, what, What was Amazon in 2002? It, it wasn't a trillion dollar uh, behemoth. So just to paint a, just to paint a picture in 2002. So um, Amazon, 90% of the business at Amazon was books, music, video. Wow. Um, uh, holiday. So the fourth quarter of 2002, we did our first billion dollar quarter. Uh, today, Amazon's a roughly $500 billion revenue company. So we had our first billion dollar quarter at Amazon, um, I was brought in to help lead the launch of the marketplace business at Amazon. So today, that's that's the business third parties selling at Amazon.com. Today, that's 58% of all units shipped and sold, two to three million uh, sellers on that platform. Those are the um, individual, those are the separate sellers. Those, 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 those are the separate sellers. Okay. And that's what you are right. in charge of? That's what, yeah, I was, I was, I launched that business. Exactly. And, and over about a two year period, we launched 
14 new categories that Amazon was in. And I mentioned <laughs> right. Amazon was solely in kind of books, music. We started with the apparel category, went into sporting goods, music, gourmet, electronics, like all of these categories. And that really set the foundation for what Amazon retail business is today is through all of those categories that we we now are so familiar with. But as importantly, you know, um, Amazon at that point was was really figuring out like what sort of company it was intended to be. Right. Um, there's right. 16, there's 16 leadership principles uh, that Amazon has. Those weren't codified when I was there. We were hammering them out. We were figuring out what um, what were our leadership principles and putting them into action and how do we build mechanisms so that they become habits uh, for us and everything. And I left Amazon in late 2005. I was a partner at another consulting organization. Five years after I left Amazon, one of my clients at the Gates Foundation said, you know, you do a real nice job of kind of putting strategically and delicately putting in the little mechanisms, the little habits, the little mindsets from Amazon into our work. And I think you ought to write a book about it. So we <laughs> released the first edition right. of the Amazon Way in 2014. We just released the third edition of the Amazon Way just a year ago. Uh, a lot of new updates, uh, new new forward, uh, new introduction, and many other updates. But these principles are are uh, fairly uh, timeless, and they're they're really not that these are the right principles for anybody else. But thinking through, much as you encourage, thinking through, well, what are my goals? What are my principles? And then how do we consistently practice those um, as a business? That's really the heart of, of where I start a lot of my assignments is, is in understanding that with my clients. And, and it's a really effective way of, of kind of getting everybody oriented to, you know, the, the same playbook and the same approach to accomplishing the goals in that playbook so that as a company, we can develop habits that help us compete in the digital era. So that's beautiful. And that's kind of where I wanted to go relative uh, knowing that what the principles that work for one company don't necessarily work for another. And then these, the things that spill forward are things like culture and values. Having said that, um, take us back. Do you recall? I know you recall because you, you've written about it in your book. But but touch on two or three principles to add color to this concept. So if somebody's unclear on on the significance of taking time to identify principles, what what that means, give us two or three, and how that may shape behavior slash habits going forward. Yeah. So a uh, great question. Um, so for example. Uh, Amazon leadership principle number three is called invent and simplify. All right. A very quick timeout. Just want to share with you. Thanks to our great sponsor, audible.com, audibletrial.com. In fact, if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash habits to goals, the habit factor will be free as is your first 30 days. 
audibletrial.com forward slash habits to goals. I also want to share with you, very excited about the new book. It is a prequel. So a lot of people are asking, do I need to read The Habit Factor or The Pressure Paradox first? The answer is absolutely not. Everything is a freaking story. We're keeping it clean here. Everything is a freaking story. You can find it on Amazon. Is not only a prequel, but it's extremely comprehensive and it provides you a beautiful roadmap, a new behavior model called the three circles of behavior echo system. There's a reason we say things like, I like the vibe here. I like his vibe. I like her vibe. That resonates with me. Never before has there been a behavior model representing or representative, I should say, how our behaviors are influenced in this echo system. So check it out. Everything Astory.com or just go to Amazon and Google or search, excuse me, everything is a effing story. Pardon the language, there's a story there. All right, back to the episode. See ya. And it talks about how, you know, leaders um, require innovation and invention from their teams and they're always looking for ways to simplify. Yep. Okay, interesting concept. What I think is most interesting about that is that the and simplify piece of that is recognized to be as both important and impactful and hard as inventing. Yes. And so um, what we found was that the most important thing in our work, if we wanted to scale our business, was that we had to we had to simplify everything about the business first. And then we could scale it, right? So we would literally go through, rigorously go through rationalizing every step, every role, every data and data flow, every requirement, every metric. And if you did that hard work up front, you would actually define and create a process that would scale. So I leverage that in my clients because so many of them have grown to a size where it's super complex to get anything done. Anything new, especially, is really, really hard. Well, that's really all that just the calcification and the buildup that we've built across our people, across our organization, across our processes, across our products and services. And so let's go back. Let's, let's, let's zero base rationalize everything about the business. And guess what? We're going to free up so much um, capacity to then scale the business. So that that's an example of kind of a principle and a practice and how it can apply to other, other places. Um, let's talk about another one. Um, so one of the principles is called bias for action and it reads speed matters in business. Many decisions and actions are reversible and do not need extensive study. We value calculated risk-taking. Okay, interesting uh, leadership principle. How do you put it in action? So a mechanism around this is just um, in how we make decisions and a concept called one-way doors versus two-way doors. A one-way door decision is a decision that once you make it, you can't come back from it, right? You can only pass through it once. 
Well, those types of decisions we have to treat very differently. We have to slow them down. We have to bring them to the center. We need to do our diligence. You, you, you don't want to proceed with haste. You want to measure twice, cut once, right? Right, right. Two way, a two-way door decision is a decision that we can we can make, we can test, and if we're wrong, we can come back from. Most decisions can actually be be created in a way where it's a two-way door decision, right? And if you if you get a team oriented to how do we create a test? How do we test something um, before we make a big commitment to it? The organization is going to move faster. You're going to empower people at different levels to make the right types of decisions. And you won't slow the company down by forcing it to bring everything to the center to make decisions. So that's another good example of a leadership principle and one that I use uh, in my clients to help speed up, especially when it comes to seeking growth, seeking innovation, we have to have a different clock speed uh, in, in, in we make decisions in companies. Well, I love the uh, qualification there, the distinction between one, one way and two way doors. Um, wow. So, yeah, that's a lot to process. And, so, and... so, 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 so that's, that's, that's two of 16. Okay. Right. So the, I could go yeah, in a million different the, the, directions. The, the, what, what I want to right share is it's interesting that these are called principles and in my world principles the definition i i lean on stephen covey's uh definition which is they're they're timeless truths so what when when i see these amazon for instance the two you just went over they're they're more like values and then there's a value statement to support it um, which is fine. I think in the end, I, I just don't know if moving quickly, uh, without haste is a principle <laughs> that's, and, and that's just, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting in the weeds. Go ahead. Well, that, that but, but, that, but that's where for the Amazon has decided for them, for them, that that is, it is a, a timeless, uh, truth, uh, and is a, a principle or a tenant, Right. Um, for them. And that's where, you know, different companies need to orient towards, well, what are they, what's their playbook of tenants or approaches? And if you can get everybody operating to the, to the same principles, then guess what you're going to have? You, you, everybody's going to, you got gonna, alignment. You um, everybody rolling in the same you direction. You got alignment and, 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 and you're going to operate better, whether it's right. in kind of running an established business or figuring out your growth and innovation agenda, if if we can understand how do we make decisions, how do we prioritize, right. how do we hold each other accountable, then then the team's going to operate better. Yeah, I was trying to pull up my <laughs> my diagram. Yeah, it, what what happens is, as you know, I mean, once the story gets straight, so to speak, everybody's aligned with their values. It permeates outward. And that affects behaviors, decisions, and and everybody's rowing in the same same direction. So, what compelled you to you spent a little over three years with Amazon? Yeah, almost four years. It was and, it was, it was and, just and, short of four years. So so four years, give or take, and then 2014 rolls around. I'm guessing 
it was closer to 2010-ish when you decided, I w- I'm going to write a book about this. This is such a special, yeah. special culture, a special environment. There's a lot people can learn from this. I want to document this and, and begin. I know you probably, I'm guessing, it probably wasn't a series when you began a uh, series of books, but but talk about the impetus to go ahead and write this. Well, there's a couple of things that happened. So first, it, it was about 2011, 2012, when I really started thinking like, okay, here, there's a book here. So first, Amazon was becoming a company of substance at that point, right? When I, when I was there, it, it, it was, most people doubted the company would survive, quite frankly, and it was a rebel. But 2010, things started to change. And um, you could you could you could see where the company was going. So that was one thing. Um, the second thing was, as I mentioned, I had a client at the Gates Foundation who kind of you know hit me right in the head with like this concept of writing a book. And he he was a journalist by background. He had ran built two book projects for him. And the smartest thing I did was talk him into being my my partner on these books uh, and everything. We still partnered partnered together. Right. And then you know the third the third thing that happened was. Um, uh, the guy I worked for at the consulting company, he lived in Houston and, and, um, he, he, he encouraged me. He goes, he goes, you know, John, I've seen you in action on this. And we had, we'd just done a workshop with a client and, and the workshop was posed as a series of questions. And I always, I answered the questions. It was a client asking us questions and I always answered the question, well, this is how Amazon would think about it. And, and, uh, Tom came out of the meeting. It's like, it's like, man, like that was, that was just super crisp, um, insightful answers. Cause you not only gave them an answer, you gave them a way to think about building for their own answers, uh, and everything. Right. So it's, it's thinking, teach, teach a man to fish. Yep. Right. It, it's thinking about how to think about something. Right. And um, and so um, Tom was a tremendous supporter of the effort that it took to to build and market the book. And we put it to work within the, the organization and across our clients um, at large. Beautiful. Um, but it, 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 it really wasn't anything more complex than like, OK, are you going to do this or aren't you going to do it? And then. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, and then, you know, in writing a book has never been, you know, kind of a goal of mine. I wasn't a writer, any background or anything, but, but I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's do a little experiment. Let's, let's, let's do this. And it, and it's been fantastic. So we've done three editions of the Amazon way. I've done two other books also. I've got a, 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 a fourth and a fifth book uh, in progress, but, but the Amazon way is by far kind of the, the one that has uh, captured the most attention and is kind of a timeless book because, you know, the principles are kind of timeless thinking. Sure. Uh, and it's thinking about thinking and it's giving a perfect model of a, a representative company putting these principles in action. You could go on and on and on. The, uh, the, 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 the other smart thing I did was um, I, uh, I made the book pretty short. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, it's, it's a pretty, it, it, it's a pretty easy read. Uh, it's, uh, you know, that, that thick and, and my whole design principle, I, I, I fly a lot for business. So I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book 
that a person can read on one plane ride with a glass of wine, you know, and everything, right? And so, and so, so that was kind of my design principle for the book. Um, A couple of the other books I've written have been a little thicker, um, and that has been on purpose too. But people, people like quick reads and um yeah well i i failed that i failed that test with the the latest one um so a couple things first of all you said you 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 weren't a writer at that time the one thing i want to say is you're a fantastic writer you also have your what is it a weekly newsletter that goes out and and that is very well so at the end remind me to share how people can get that it's a great Great news. Yeah, it's 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 called the digital the digital leader newsletter. It's on Substack. You can find you can subscribe for free, or you can throw me a few shillings if you want to. But yeah, thanks. That's that's a fun little project. Yeah, well, and it I think the takeaway for me was you're an excellent writer. So before thanks. we get off the Amazon train, because we got to wrap this up, come around second base here. The one thing that I took away that I loved, given my latest book, and it was just organic how it came up, you started talking to me about <clears throat> how how Bezos and other leadership at the time basically denied PowerPoints. And I know this is semi-legend, and a lot of people know this story, but even more people don't know the story. So, so recap a little about this idea of of narrative in business as opposed to PowerPoint um, and in the benefits of going down that road. <laughs> How about it? Well, uh, we could spend it. We could spend an hour on it, but I'll, I'll take one minute on it. Yeah, and when you are dealing when you are dealing with complex topics that take many people's input and you have hard decisions to make and you have to get specific about some of the granular aspects of it, PowerPoint tends to dumb down the entire process and the audience that's participating in that. Writing things out, full paragraphs, full constructed documents helps the entire group understand, think, and debate and make better decisions that they need to make. And Bezos recognized that uh, in like 2003, uh, we at least said no more PowerPoint, everything needs to be written out. And we would start meetings with 15 or 20 minutes of silence where people would read the document. So Amazon's kind of codified this now, they call it the working backwards methodology. I outline kind of the set of kind of tools or or different types of documents that are there. But at the end of the day, it's about writing and debating so that you think better, you debate better, and you make better decisions. Yeah, critical thinking, this idea of silence at the beginning of a meeting. I just just love it. People reading, critically thinking about an idea and then taking notes in silence is 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 absolute genius. Very, very different experience than looking at uh, a few bullet points on a PowerPoint. It, 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 it really is. It takes some practice, but if is as a team or as a leadership group, you can do this just on some of your important topics. You don't have to do it universally, but on some of your topics, man, you are going to, you are going to make 
such better decisions and everybody's going to be informed and aligned and understand the subtle details um, it's critical to then execution right because we understand things better before we enter into them guess what one of the things we're going to do is we're going to execute a lot better so when in your consulting if if you had and you may not deal with a company that's small but but imagine a relatively small let's just say a computer consulting company and they only they have two or three owners um and where where would be what would be an example of bringing in and doesn't even make sense if it's that small a company to to follow through on a process like this Is, would there be an example off yeah. the top of your head yeah yeah, yeah 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 like like let's write out our three year plan got it uh, that that would be a a, a need for that set of leaders to align on, well, what is our true ambition? What do we think the inputs are going to be in order to achieve it? Debate the options, align on uh, expectations and accountability and actions there and debate scenarios and options, right? And so doing that through through the narrative process will help improve the thinking, improve the debating, and improve uh, the decision-making that they make. Incredible. Well, like you said, we could talk for hours. Uh, This has been enlightening and educational and entertaining. Um, We'll shift off Amazon a bit and just move to your consulting practice. If there's any particular story that comes to mind where maybe – uh, I know you let off this meeting or this call with with something similar. So so if nothing off yeah. the top of your head comes to mind, but maybe maybe there's a story there where you can share a bit, a win for a client. If so, great. If not, we can go to the next question. <laughs> you, I mean, the quick mission of Rossman Partners is to help our clients compete and win in the digital era, and. Right. The thing that, to me, well, what do you mean by the digital era? The digital era is really the era where we are willing to rethink so many traditions in business and use different types of technologies and techniques in order to compete differently. And and that everything I do is oriented towards helping my clients compete in, in the digital era. And so it's a it's a multifaceted um, uh, way to help appreciate the business, the assets that you have, and what do we need to do differently to drive growth, innovation, and competitiveness in our business? That's the pretty simple mission of, of what we do. Well, and you've been doing this for decades. A long so time. It's, it's, yeah. it's ingrained in your uh, character. All right. So name two or three of your best habits, bringing it back to habits to goals. Like yeah, um, I I think um, getting up early in the morning and working out for me has been just a great lifelong habit. You accomplish something hard, you feel energized. Um, to me, it's kind of my reflective period and everything. And and once you accomplish it, nobody can like no matter what happens the rest of the day. Like okay, check the box, I got that done, and I just feel so much better 
and, and I can sit and focus. I probably had ADD as a kid, you know, and everything. Um, and, and when I don't do that, man, I struggle that day, you know, and everything. Wow. And so anyway, to me, like, that's probably personal habit. Number one is, uh, get up a little uncomfortably early and get a hard workout in not just a relaxing workout like i i think vigorous exercise is is uh important that's awesome what's your what's your exercise go-to exercise i i i i I mix it up but i i love playing squash uh i like to swim um and um you know i lift some weight so kind of a combination of those three things and and i do a bunch of yoga now too so (laughs) he likes to mix it up all right uh some people pass at this question this is a hardball you're Uh oh (laughs) no the habit you're trying to kill (laughs) the habit you don't oh well i mean you know um you know, ideally, like I probably like, you know, my cookies uh, a bit more than I should and everything. And so, you know, ideally, but I, I'm not too hard on myself about that, you know, and everything. But I I, I, I lead a pretty simple uh, and and clean uh, lifestyle. I think the, the one piece of, of career coaching that I've had to work at and everything is kind of the um, what one of my my partners and my mentors used to call tell me he goes he goes John you know you need to make time for what he would call um, unproductive productive time and what he meant by that was like open yourself up for for conversations and mentoring others and things that weren't necessarily absolutely directed at client work or deliverable we were working on or a proposal. And and so I had to work at that of just like, you know, making myself available and not trying to optimize every minute of my day. And and I've gotten better at that, but I, I also know my natural tendencies. And so I have to I have to consciously think about, you know, the the productive, unproductive time in my day. I love that statement. Uh I've naturally gravitated to that but i've never heard it called that so to me yeah that's just uh creative time i i can only do for me right right for me especially as you, you when you build a team and everything it's more time for others and helping to um you know make time for others and kind of the things that are on their minds and where they maybe need some help and 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 just kind of you know having conversation i love it all right well we're just about to wrap this up coming around third advice you would give your 20 year old self <laughs> it's kind of cliche well, i mean it probably it, it, Go ahead. yeah it, um it would it would be a bet on myself earlier um it wasn't until my 40s where i really like bet on myself and um and I would say, you know, bet on myself earlier. And that's that's the advice I give I give my boys. Interesting. Well, it, yeah, I mean, the, I see the other side of it, though, is that you you compiled a career's worth of experience that you might not have otherwise had. So. Yin and yang, I mean, it's easy to say yeah, bet on yourself, but tough to know if you would have had that sort of uh experience and wisdom all right 
how about wow i forgot this one was on the list name a hero <laughs> name a, a, a hero well um boy <laughs> um okay Sorry, I don't know if I have a great answer. I mean, I've talked about some of my the mentors in my life. I'm I'm not going to mention my name, but really, the 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 coaches and the mentors I've had in my life have been have been my my heroes and um, have been all 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 the difference to me. And how about about a favorite um, quote? We'll go to the next one. A favorite quote. A favorite quote. All right, perfect, perfect. Um, so. This is one that is all about operational excellence and why it's important. And it's from Vince Lombardi. And he, uh, the quote is, we are going to relentlessly chase perfection, knowing full well we will not catch it because nothing is perfect. But we are going to relentlessly chase it because in the process we will catch excellence. I am not remotely interested in just being good. And, And businesses that compete timelessly are both excellent operators and know how to chase perfection and they're systematic innovators, right? Like they know how to grow new businesses and launch new businesses. And that is what I think is so unique about a company like Amazon is that operational excellence alongside an innovation machine. Um, but anyway, that quote from Vince Lombardi is, is really about, about why having high standards uh, in business is important. He also said, uh, winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. That's a good one. Favorite book or two? Yeah, so one uh, of my favorite books, uh, an old classic, is Peter Drucker's The Effective Executive and... Uh, in the really you just need to read the introductory chapter and he has um he goes he goes here are the the eight practices that make effective executives so listen listen to this power pack here so it says they asked what needs to be done they asked what is right for the enterprise they developed action plans they took responsibility for decisions they took responsibility for communicating they were focused on opportunities rather than problems they ran productive meetings. They thought and said, we rather than I. Like, like what a great, um, That's funny. S- simple but not simplistic right. set of fundamentals as a leader to reflect upon. And if you do those things, it it's hard to lose. That's great. Yeah, great. Timeless reminder. Um, all right. Finally, or very close to finally, a tech tool, a gadget, a website, something you can't operate professionally or personally without in one or two or three? Yeah. So I, I struggled and and I'm going to come up with an answer that I don't think you were maybe really thinking about here, but we have a, we have a, a Vespa scooter wow. that um, has been so much fun for my wife and I uh, and everything um, to, to, to just on vacations or get around where we live and everything seeing the world seeing the world from a vespa scooter is really fun so that's 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 great i I didn't have any any other decent idea for you on that one that's somewhat techie uh all right john well it it is it it, the the one the one we have is electric and so that's where i kind of like okay it's a little techie so yeah a little techie uh 
Well, this again has been enlightening and entertaining and educational, very educational. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with this. Uh, if you have any closing comments, a website you want to share, anything else you you get well, a final word or close. <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. So, you know, the book is the the Amazon way in right. paperback, Kindle, Audible, find it at Amazon. Uh, the newsletter is the Digital Leader newsletter. Find it on Substack, subscribe for fee, free. You can find me on LinkedIn or my website is rossmanpartners.com. There it is, rossmanpartners.com. Well, thank you again, John. It's been an honor and a privilege. You don't go anywhere. I'm going to kill the recording. See if we can do that. Stop recording. All right, my friends, that is going to do it for this episode. If you are new here, there's only two, th <laughs> two things you should consider doing. One, go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates. Get your free template that will walk you through the PAR method. You are not a rodent. You are not a rat. Why do I say that? Because the habit loop, the famed habit loop, was devised by studying rodents. You're a human. You have choice. You have intention. You have reflection. PAR, as a methodology for habit cultivation, is a process that leverages your human capacities. So go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates and you get a free template. Or just go to the iOS or Google Play Store and you can download the free Habit Factor app. The other thing that is worth doing, in my humble opinion, is subscribing. Subscribe. You get each episode downloaded automatically. That will save you time. It will, <laughs> it will save me time. We'll be on the same page, my friend. So that's it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for subscribing. And make sure you begin tracking. See ya.